Today we're resharing this great podcast with Mike Royal. It's one of my favourites because I find it so challenging what he brings to us and the questions he raises about the kind of church that we plant and the youth work that we do and whether we just tend to go after young people who look and sound like us. It's really provocative. It's Mike Royal at its absolute best. Enjoy. The Youth Podcast. Well, I'm very excited to say my guest today is Bishop Mike Royal. Hello. Uh, I, I'm very excited. I'm going to get on to the Bishop stuff later on. But um, as a sort of a preamble, last time we saw each other, we were recording a Youthscape podcast. Yes. Uh, on stage at the National Youth Ministry Weekend, which was a surreal experience from memory, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just a great weekend. It was um, wonderful to welcome Youthscape to to Birmingham, um, to host you as an organisation and to see the way you had brought people from all over the country um, to a great place where we were able to have a a rich conversation about youth working great We did, we had a good conversation uh, about young men particularly, didn't we? We did. uh, 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 We might might touch on some of that stuff again today, but uh, so you, you, you are a returning visitor to the Eastgate podcast. I think you're only the second person to get on twice. Oh wow! So, I'm honoured. So uh, well, you should see that as a great honour. But um, but your 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 name goes before you, as it were. So uh, so you're you're actually a bishop. I am. But not not a bishop in the in the Anglican sense, that I understand it. So what what kind of bishop are you? Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm a bishop um, in another denomination. Um, the denomination I'm in is the Apostolic Pastoral Congress. But I would be a bishop in exactly the same. Um, uh, process as an Anglican bishop. Do you have a strange costume you have to get into? Yes, I do. Oh, really? What's it like? Yeah, it looks pretty similar to the the Anglican ones. Um, I think ours look, you know, really quite ornate. So, no, I love wearing it occasionally, but to be honest with you, I get a little bit sweaty in it. So, um, yeah, it's all very hot, but... um, uh, yeah, I love it. It's good. What, do, what are your bishoping duties? Like, what do you? Yeah. What do you have to do as a bishop? Yeah. So, um, I I now have some um uh sort of responsibility for um looking after pastors, kind of in the Midlands kind mm-hmm. of area. Um, I'm based in Birmingham, um, and I have special responsibility in our Congress for social engagement strategies. So all the stuff that I do with Cinnamon, mm-hmm. with with TLG, mm-hmm. um, is all very kind of relevant. And um, I'm a bit of a one-stop person for a lot of our ministers to come to when they're thinking about how their churches kind of outreach to the local community. Cool. And you, um, you've long-term been invested and involved with working with young people. I have. And continue to be very yeah. invested in that area. Um, and you're and you're a bishop, so so potentially you're quite an important person, a sort of a, a, a bit of a linchpin for the youth ministry community in terms of accessing and leveraging, you know, um, uh, access to the wider church, other church leaders, and and, and uh, the the issues around young people and making them aware of them. Yeah, I take that responsibility really seriously. I, I, I've been ordained twenty five years now in pastoral ministry, nineteen ninety three. 
Um, and, um, you know, 1994, I sort of, to 98, I was National Youth Director of a Pentecostal denomination mm. with sort of 120 churches. And I was like wet behind the ears and thinking, what do I do now? Um, but that journey from there and kind of into all the stuff that we did with children and young people with TLG and, and now kind of with Cinnamon, which is a broader canvas, um, it does give me opportunity to be able to influence agenda, mm. um, influence that agenda in a wider church setting. And I think it's important that the, the young people's agenda is heard, and most important, that young people's voices are heard. So we're just going to call you Bishop for Young People, Mike Royal. I've just, I've just, <laughs> I'll have some of that. I've just added that to your title. I think that's your national role now. Um, so, uh, so Bishop. Uh, we start. I'm just. I, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I, know I don't you get are. to spend much time with bishops. I know that can be hard for most people to believe. Um, but uh, but but before we get on to cinema and all that stuff, I was intrigued as we were going, to, uh, we're walking up to have this interview uh, to discover your your former life yeah. as a uh, a town uh, or an urban planner. Yeah. So what what did that involve? Because I secretly am intrigued by. The, this area, and if I wasn't doing anything that I was doing, if I wasn't in ministry at all, I think I might be a town planner. Yeah, well, I, I was really influenced um, by uh, my brother-in-law, um, who's a little older than me, who kind of went into the built environment um, as a, a surveyor, and, um, and, and, in, and in the end, when I looked at it, actually, it was town planner I really kind of wanted to be. I was interested, I was interested in a particular part of town planning, which was about getting people involved in the process of what goes on in their area. Mm. Um, so we used to use a system called Planning for Real, which was basically a way in which you tease out from people, what do you want to see in your locality? So great for participation. And obviously, kind of working with young people, it's really important that they're participating in and what you're planning and activities. Mm. So I've brought lots of the skills from urban planning kind of into my work with young yeah. people and listening to voices. And if I can just say, I mean, I'm doing a piece of work at the moment with other youth workers in Birmingham around kind of uh, interventions with young people who have perhaps are on the cusp of getting caught up in, in, in kind of negative peer groups and gang activity and, and actually listening to those voices and teasing out what they've got to say is a really important part of the Yeah, producer. so this is why I brought this up, actually. I know it sounded a little random for a minute there, but um, but the other thing you mentioned is, was that a lot of this seemed transferable to to your ministry, actually. And uh, and, and I wonder, is this, a, is this a classic mistake that you see churches and ministries making, just not, not listening, not starting by listening? Yeah, and, and absolutely. Um, I think that, you know... It's the old saying, you know, listen to, so start with understanding um, before you're understood. And, and I think it's important that we listen, we listen deeply, um, we listen well, we reflect on what we hear, and then together we journey and work out what are the ways ahead. It's the only way you can do effective kind of youth work, and it's the only way you can find ways to support younger young people to be the best version of themselves they can be. Now, I, uh, I imagine uh, if you're listening to this and you classically work with um, a white middle class uh, group of young people who are used to sitting down and being involved in those sorts of conversations, uh, you might think that sounds great. 
There may be other people listening think, well, I work with kids who don't want to have those conversations. Who, you know, that sounds a bit scary to me. So how you put a bit of sort of like, um, you know, uh, flesh on that. Mm. How do you actually mm. listen to the voices, particularly of the most marginalised, the most at risk, uh, young people who maybe don't want to sit down in a focus group? Yeah, um, listening doesn't have to be done sitting down. It can be done in an activity environment. Um, the key thing is, is that we create an environment where young people feel, feel valued. And if they feel valued by you, then they will feel that their voice is valued. And then suddenly they will, will open up. Mm. Um, and, and my sense is, is that, particularly in urban areas, a lot of young people are under a lot of pressure and feel very kind of uptight. And if we can get them out of that environment, get mm. them playing, get them having fun, get them doing stuff that is mm. scary and they've never done before, suddenly the child in them kind of comes mm. to the surface again and they begin to want to express themselves around what, what, what some of their hopes mm. and I guess some of their disappointments mm. are. And so we're able to have a conversation and journey together. It's great. That's really, really practical. So uh, you you wear a lot of hats. I mean, we started with your bishop's hat, which I presume has a special name or something. Uh, mitre. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, but, but not football mitre. Just like just a, mitre. you don't wear half a football on your head. No, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. For you, um, you wear a couple of other hats though. Um, yes, and, uh, one of which is uh, uh, cinnamon, which I promise we are going to get onto, yeah. uh, and the other one is uh, TLG. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about just just for um, people who don't know anything about TLG, yeah. what what is it and what's your role? Yeah. Um, so um, TLG um, is a, an organisation um, that works um, with children. Um, and young people who, for whatever reason, have not thrived in mainstream school. It's all about giving them a hope of a future, um, and um, we use um, coaching, one-to-one uh, -one coaching, um, with primary school and secondary school children, but also those who perhaps have been excluded. We can provide alternative mm. provision with them in partnership with local churches. So mm. it's all about enabling the church to work better. Um, with, with, with young people and children. And it's been quite successful, hasn't it? I was talking to uh, another, another one of your colleagues a while back, um, and, and he was just talking about growth and, uh, and, and expansion, and it, yeah. it sounded like you have a model that's really working. So what's the secret? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, some, some great models. So, so I, I, I mean, I've been involved now for 20 years, um, and um, I sort of pioneered the, the education centre side, so... You know, you know, setting up schools for young people who are at risk or have already been excluded from school. But the real model that now is replicating really quickly is our early intervention model. I think the reason why it's doing so well, because it's really easy to do, it is about groups of coaches from local churches being trained to go into their local schools and provide an hour of support for children who may be struggling, mm. and, and their families too. And I think churches have just looked at that and gone, we can do that, mm. and that would make a big difference to um, our community, and it would link us really well with our local schools. And is it is it nationwide? Yeah, it is, absolutely. So if, if people are if people are listening to this and interested, is there just, what's the first... Yeah go, to the yeah, go to the website, um, www.tlg.org.uk, 
um, and asked to speak to anyone um, in the early intervention team and um, they would um, love to um, connect with you and, and, and talk about how um, they can engage with your church Fantastic. and partner with your church. Fantastic. And I think we have some more, uh, some more of the guys from TLG uh, coming on the podcast shortly. So we won't, Wonderful. won't go too, too into detail with that now. Fabulous. Um, so we're going to take off that hat yeah. and we see lying on the floor the half a football just, yeah. uh, just there deflated on the side. Yeah. Uh, and now the third hat is Cinema Network. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, again, is something which uh, it, it, sort of lots of people get to play. Yeah. So it might be something that, again, people might want to connect with after this. So t- tell us a little bit more about Cinema Network. Yeah, uh, so Cinema Network is, is all about just helping churches um, in their community engagement for community transformation. And, um, and the, the main way in which we do that is really connecting them with about 35 really good practice um, projects, um, some of them youth-focused, um, so um, make lunch, you mm-hmm. know, making um, lunch for children who during the school holidays, you know, potentially could go without a, a, a good quality meal um, uh, uh, during holiday time. Um, TLG, um, but, you know, coaching kind of children and young people kind of in school, um, and a host of other projects looking at lots of different kind of themes. Um, and what we're about is saying t- to churches, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can take one of these projects mm. and that organisation will partner with you. And that can be your outreach in that area into your local community. And you've got a specific scheme uh, which our listeners might be interested in, yeah. which is sort of coming up in the, in, in the next year. So t- tell us about that. Yeah, we have a scheme called Project Lab where we're really looking for the next innovative projects and people who want to partner with local churches. And this year, there's a particular focus on projects that are emerging from black and ethnic minority communities. Um, and so if you have a project that you're thinking about replicating in partnership with local churches, um, um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and um, again, um, if you go to Cinnamon's website, you can pick up information um, on that. So really exciting. Fantastic. Uh, so uh, so you, you, what's your role with Cinnamon? Um, my, my role is, um, so I sit on the leadership team of Cinnamon yeah. and I kind of lead on church engagement. So I yeah. lead a team of advisors and all the outward facing kind of stuff around kind of church, engaging with churches and supporting those churches to be the best they can. And you, so you've been around the sort of church yeah. scene um, interdenominationally yeah. for about, I mean, I don't know, a long time. Yeah. All the time that I've been around, you've been around. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And possibly even another year or two, <laughs> if I may say so, beyond it's that. Okay. Yeah, cool. um, and, uh, and, and one of your... But I don't look like it. No, I mean, you don't look a day over 30. Mike. Thank you, bro. But, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, you know... Over that, one of the one of the key interest areas for you is is making sure the church is is engaging with the needs of black and ethnic minorities, yeah. and uh, and 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 I wonder how you've seen that picture develop or change over the time you've been involved in the sort of parachurch into church world. What I'm really thinking is, are we better now at serving the needs as a whole church of those young people? And are we as a church any more integrated 
uh, and and multi multi ethnic and, and multi or are we still pretty siloed in terms of white church and black church? What do you see? Well, firstly, I, I think that um, there is much more willingness um, for the church broadly to learn from the experience on the ground of black and ethnic minority churches and a recognition that actually these churches sometimes have been established in the community kind of 30, 40, 50 years, mm. sort of in, 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 certainly in the case of some of the very established communities, the, 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 the African-Caribbean community, which is the community kind of I'm from. Um, so I think there's a, a, a real recognition we kind of need um, to learn. I still think there's a long way to go mm -hmm. in terms of integration, mm -hmm. but there are signs of hope, um, and I think that's encouraging. I would just say that on, on all sides, it just needs to be a real deliberateness yeah. about um, coming together, but the key is listening and mm. understanding each other's and having a high regard and respect for the, the different approaches and the different traditions. And what would you, I mean, let's, let's push that a little bit further. So what would you love to see? Like, what would progress in, in integration, particularly? And I'm thinking about our, our youth ministry community here. You came along, along to our conference. You know, let's be honest, that room was, was a very white room. Mm. And yet we were in one of the most multi-ethnic, diverse communities in in Europe, mm -hmm. you know, right yeah. there, and yet it was a very white room. What would the dream be for you in terms of real, real progress and change? I think the dream would be um, that that everyone recognises they need to draw from each other. Um, I was talking to in the lead up to um, the 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 Uscape event in Birmingham, and after the event, I was talking to to youth leaders and, and, and you know from the black community, and they were saying, "Wow, there's some resources there." That, that I didn't know were there. Um, and I'm sure that they were those in, um, you know, from perhaps, you know, predominantly white churches who were saying, gosh, these guys have got some insight in working with, um, you know, children in, 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 in cities um, which we haven't got and we could take their learning and take it back. And I think if we could just have that atmosphere of a learning community, that would be the way forward. Mm. And that means that we just have to take time out to, to mm. spend time with each other. So anything that brings um, groups of people together with different experiences is a great thing. And of course it will help that Stormzy is now the pin-up for evangelical Christians everywhere. Absolutely. We love Stormzy, he's done a worship oh, I, song. I absolutely love Stormzy before he did the worship song and since he's done the worship song. And what I love about him is, is that he's edgy, and he's raw, but most of all, he's real. Mm. And we just need a real reality check in the mm. church. Mm. And he kind of does that. My hope is, is, is that he doesn't lose that rough edge. Yeah. Because it's that that makes him prophetic. And boy, do we need more of that in the I church. mean, he is truly prophetic. And, and I thought that the, the Brits, which was a little while ago now, where he... He was pretty strong in his critique of the government, but it needed to be said. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and you know, I'm not trying to eat out off this story at all. I have briefly spent some time at Grenfell, very brief amount of time. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I noticed when I was there was an unreported area 
uh, under a um, there's like an underpass there where local members of the local community have pinned up their stories and they've made not a shrine but sort of <laughs> a, uh, uh, a they're trying to tell the real story mm. of Brentford and they're saying mm. more people died here than, than is being reported mm-hmm. awful things happened for awful reasons and no one's really mm-hmm. telling the true story there needs to be justice and what I thought was amazing was you had this guy who in his speech got up and said all, all he could do was praise God. Like he, he literally couldn't get any other words out. It was remarkable. Mm. There's a man who who deeply believes that God has has been with him in his journey and has helped and has given him everything that he has, which I, I found quite moving. Absolutely. That he couldn't find it was just his mum. He, he thanked God, he thanked his mum, and then he just couldn't think of anything else to say, so he just thanked God again. Yeah. And it was amazing. And it was yeah. in the Guardian. I thought it was amazing. The Guardian, yeah, the Guardian printed it. Yeah. Um and then or or, or in the same evening he, he did this really prophetic political mm-hmm. uh, act about speaking out for the voices, which just felt like a sort of mm-hmm. Old Testament, mm-hmm. you know, prophet standing up there and saying, no one is, is speaking up for these people. And I just thought yeah. it was remarkable. It, it, it was. And I think that the speaking prophetically to power is really, really important. Too often as the church, and if I may say so, as youth workers, um, is oftentimes we're just happy to pick up the pieces of what society is doing to young people in our communities. And actually, sometimes you need to speak to the powers that be and say, the way you behave and the way you have forgotten and let down young people is unacceptable. And as Stormy said, we haven't forgotten. He says, we haven't forgotten Grenfell. I haven't forgotten Grenfell. We haven't forgotten Grenfell. I've got a good friend of mine who's going to be a pastor there and will be ministering in that community. She hasn't and her husband have not forgotten Grenfell. So it's great that it's on the agenda, Mm. but we need to continue to make people feel uncomfortable. Otherwise, they will think they can just continue as things were always were. And that's unacceptable. Mm. And that has been... I mean, there were lots of people who died at Grenfell of, of all races. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, all white people in that mm-hmm. fire and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But it has felt like that has, has really struck a chord of discontent, right, rightly, in the black community uh, about, about just this... The government, you know, potentially turning, a, uh, turning, a, turning their back on it. And, and, and I wonder whether there's a wider theme... Um, you know, among among black young people, feeling like this generation they're, they're being let down by the people in power. I, I think that theme is echoed it w- by young people in all communities. Actually, um, I think that Grenfell is the tip of the iceberg, mm. and um, and really, actually, if we're honest as a nation, it it shamed us all over mm. the world that the fifth largest economy in the world mm. could have that happen yeah absolutely. um and um, i i i don't know how those who were in charge of housing in um that borough i don't know how they sleep at night mm. because that should never have happened mm. and my hope is is that it never happens again but we've got to keep the pressure on. Mm. But I, I guess what, what I'm thinking is, I mean, I've, as, as I say, I've, I've spent 
literally an hour there, so I'm not I'm not yeah, an expert. Yeah. But but one of the things I, I I learned when I was there was just that it still feels like it was yesterday. If you if you're there mm-hmm. in that community, you're still mm-hmm. deeply traumatized. Mm-hmm. Still still feels right. And and I I sense that there are many people who who were nowhere near Grenfell but feel like it could have been them. It it it's their it's sort of their it's the you know the poor the the disenfranchised those that have been sort of unvalued and left behind mm. um, and I wonder what the church what the church got to say something to that I mean Stormsea is our prophet but what's the what's the whole church going to do yeah and and so actually the whole church needs to get involved in issues like housing issues like gentrification because these are the issues that are driving this agenda and. I think particular churches need to be very careful about the kind of church culture that they're building. Yeah. So are they um, almost um, emphasising kind of that gentrification? Well, I was going to say, churches getting involved in gentrification, there is a brand of, of, of church now there that, is. That, that is buying very much into that. And that needs to be critiqued. And I don't mind saying so. And I would say it to any of their faces as well. And if you're listening, come chat to me because I'm ready to talk. I'm deeply concerned um, because what you can't have is people parachuting into an area, creating a subculture and pushing out those who have had roots down for many years or those who have just arrived but are very, very vulnerable and marginalised. Sorry, Mark. I'm enjoying this interview too much. We're just going to keep going. Um, (laughs) So I want to dig into that a bit because I think you've you've just sort of... We've tripped over something really interesting there. Yeah. Because I, I figure that churches often don't know um, what they're... Churches often don't know what they're doing, I mean, <laughs> per se. But churches often don't know the damage they're potentially doing with something like that. So, um, on the one hand, we have our sort of our, our outreach strategy and our, our desire to, to, to really connect with millennials, particularly the younger generations. Mm. We, you know, we want to put on a cool, authentic... Mm. I'm doing air quotes as I say authentic mm-hmm. uh, uh, experience for, um, uh, for that will attract people and I just want to at the same time those people will be talking about justice a friend of mine's a, uh, a pastor um, in, in uh, Chicago mm-hmm. and he was asked to speak at, a, at something called the Justice Conference mm. and it essentially booked one of these churches where they had the sort of urban clearing mm. had happened in order to gentrify the area and put a massive mega church mm. into uh, what used to be people's homes, what used mm. to be, you know, um, mm. projects mm. there. And uh, and so he refused to speak and, they, and and got into quite a lot of trouble for, for blogging about it. But he, he basically pointed out, you know, you, you're actually talking about justice while at the same time committing this great act of, mm. you're contributing to a great act of injustice. Yeah. And I just wonder if it's one of those things that floats under most people's radars. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um there is this thing of I I heard a phrase um, used recently the the awfulfication of of cities where people come in and go oh isn't this just terrible and um, and then but you know God's called me kind of here to to make a difference um, and, and and then what actually happens is 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 that a load of stuff gets done to communities unacceptable way mm. of of behaving actually we are all on a journey and we listen to those who are our neighbors and let's remember who our neighbors are mm. they aren't those who look like us mm. and we journey together 
as people who are all trying to make it through with equal value. And if we underlay whatever happens with those principles and recognise that the personal is political and we all come with our baggage and we all see the world through our own lens and we check that out and we Mm. check out our own privilege whether that is race, whether that is colour, whether that is education, etc., whether it's gender, whatever it is, if we check that out and are honest about that and keep returning to that, then we can be far more authentic than some bright lights and uh, a show that everyone enjoys and goes home and says, well, what was that all about? Yeah, yeah, but you can post great pictures on Instagram. That's the thing. So you can't Instagram real authenticity. That's the problem. You can't. You can't, and you wouldn't, that is the point. You, you wouldn't. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine last night um, who's just come back from, from Pakistan and we were having a conversation. he just done, done some amazing, been involved in some amazing stuff out there for, for lots of reasons. He couldn't put that on Facebook. Mm. But, but the Lord has seen mm. kind of what he's done together with those churches and those communities and um, and that's fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome, mate. I mean that that has been a fantastic. I mean we've done a lot of hats in the <laughs> last uh, little while. But yeah, we've you. done the trilby, we've done the tea cozy, we've done everything. <laughs> we've done all the hats. <laughs> but you, I mean that's been a fantastic and may I say quite prophetic interview. So thank you, thank you. for for making the time today, Mike uh, Bishop, my lord, Martin. It's been an honour. Thank you. This podcast was first published in May 2018. The Youthscape podcast will be back with brand new episodes in September.